0: Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. Featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. We left yesterday, Moses' mother, Jochebed. Can imagine. She takes her little four-year-old, five-year-old. If you turn to Exodus chapter two, you'll see it here. She takes him four or five. She's probably wiping tears because she's saying goodbye to her son. Can you imagine that? Some of your parents cried, sending you off to camp for a week. I don't know. But here, she's saying goodbye to her son because she's got to give him to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him. And I can't imagine that scene. She probably spent all that time, remember, pouring into him all about Yahweh, all about God, all about the promises, all about Hebrew Scripture that they had poured it into him. Then she had to say goodbye. Then I wonder, what was Moses like that first day? I mean, here he is surrounded by Hebrew men with big beards and hair. and Then he goes to Egypt to these palaces where... They love people like me, bald, totally bald, you know? And he went from a little ghetto with poor family and poor circumstances to this great palace with, again, riches untold, but he didn't have his mom. He didn't have his dad. He probably missed playing with his brother Aaron. He probably missed playing with his sister Miriam. And here he is, and I wonder if that first night he cried, he missed his family, and hey, I want to encourage you kids, you know, if you feel like, I'm just shipped around from home to home, you know, I stay with one parent one week, I stay with another parent another week, or maybe you're worried about what's going to happen in the future and think, God can't use me, well, I just want to show you the Bible, it's full of people like that. You don't have to come from some great family to be used by God. Poor Moses, he was dropped off. And again, he had a loving mother, but he was separated from her. But God used her. And I don't care what circumstances you come from, God will use you if you choose to follow Him. So it says there in chapter 2 that he began to learn. This was the top. This was the Harvard, the Princeton. This was the place to go. Egypt was the center of learning. So he sat down and he started to learn his math. And he started to learn something called hieroglyphics. They don't write in English in Egypt. They write through pictures. And somebody I know says, it takes a lifetime to learn hieroglyphics. you got to learn what the pelican means and what the eagle means. And here, Moses is learning it all. Anybody here like to learn math? Who hates learning math? Who, who, who likes who know who likes learning grammar and nouns and vowels? Who loves that? Who hates that? You know? What about geography? And you got to work out where all the the capitals are and all that. Who likes that? Who hates that? You know? And what about science? Who likes that? Who hates that? And you're like. Oh, I hate this. So the first 10 years, he's learning this. But I just want to encourage you. God uses his learning here. And I just want to encourage you. You know, you may think, why do I have to learn? Now they're starting to stick letters in with numbers, and I don't get that at all. You know, when they started messing that up, I was like, oh, good grief here. But, you know, algebra or... How to write a sentence? Do I really need to know a noun and a verb and how they go together? Well, I want to encourage you. God took the great learning of Egypt and used it in Moses' life. He's put you in school for a reason. You don't have to become a doctor overnight. Some of you have great plans. Hey, it starts in your classroom. Who likes homework? Anybody like homework? Who hates homework, you know? Oh, I hated homework. I was like, why can't we just do it in school? But here he he has to do it all the time. I mean, they were saying in Egypt, when you learned, they started at early morning and they went all the way. And he had an individual tutor who would not just let him slack off. But he learned. First 10 years, learned all that stuff. Turned to 15, he's probably learning trigonometry, geometry, and whatever it was called back then. Then he turns 20, and some Jewish historians say he was learning battle and how to fight, and they even took him into some campaign. Some people think he went all the way to Ethiopia and might have been a battle scarred veteran, and then he turned to 30 and he started leading men into battle. But all this time, is he an Egyptian? He's not an Egyptian, you know? He is a Jew, he's a Hebrew. And I think he remembers this. And he keeps that in mind, what his mother taught him. And he thinks that. And he, but he's learning all this time, and he's probably thinking, you know what? I'm going to be great someday. I, I, I'm going to do great things for God. And, and then he comes to 40 years old. Now, I'm 44. He's 40 old. That's good. I'm glad you said that. But he's 40 years old, and it says that one day, he's probably from his 30 onward. he starts noticing his people. Now, what are his people doing? They're oppressed. Can anybody remember yesterday? What did they have to make over and over again? Bricks out of clay, and then they had these taskmasters who would whip them and They were exhausted and they tried to kill all their baby boys, and you know, they're still being oppressed all this time. And he would look out at his people and he would wonder about their plight. And he would look at all his wealth and think, I've got all this might. Maybe I can use it for my people. There's another book in the Bible called Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You don't have to turn there, but it says in Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, that Moses, when he became older, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He's about 40. He's got all this wealth. He can tell people where to go. He's commanded armies. He's done great things. But he looks out the window and he sees his people suffering affliction, getting oppressed. What would you do? Would you choose to stay here with all the wealth and the, you know, hey, you got a nice luxury life here? You might even become Pharaoh one day. Or would you want to go hang out with the people who they are being beat? They have no money. There's nothing there. Would you choose to go with them? Well, it says Moses did. Moses looked at all this. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, By faith, because he feared God rather than men. And I don't know if I could have made that choice to leave Bill Gates-type wealth to go live with the poor of the poor. Moses chose that because he looked by faith to God. And that's one thing I want to encourage you. choose to do right. you got to look to God. Don't look at your circumstances. And that's what Moses did. He said, I'm going to look to my people and I'm going to follow them and I'm going to seek to help them. So Moses does. But... He's this smart guy, right? He's got all this training. And he thinks he is cooler than cool, and he's probably a little headstrong, and he looks out at his people, and he's got a good heart. Hey, I want to serve them. I want to do it right. I want to follow God. But he does it in the wrong way. You ever done something, you're like, I meant to do right, but you end up hurting somebody in the process? Well, here is Moses. He sees one of his Jewish people being afflicted by this Egyptian guard and probably being whipped and beat up. And it says there in Exodus, it says that he looked this way and he looked that way. He was probably on the balcony looking down and he saw this. He was like, oh, that makes me mad. And He probably hurt the Hebrew, and the Hebrew went back to his home, but he spotted that guard, and he watched him. He probably stepped out later that night when it was dark, and it says, he looked this way, he looked that, and then he killed the Egyptian. He slaughtered him, and it said he buried him in the sand. I want to encourage you kids, you know, Again, he wanted to take care of his people, but is murder ever right? When it says he looked this way and he looked that, you can tell he's scheming, right? He's trying to do things for God, but he's doing it in his own strength and in his own might. And in Acts chapter 7, we meet a guy named Stephen who tells the story of Moses and in His story, he says, he was trying to do right. He was trying to be the deliverer of his people. So he steps out, and he kills this Egyptian, and he buries him, and he thinks, hey, it's all hidden. Nobody will know. He's maybe feeling proud of himself. I did something. But you don't do something for God by doing something wrong. You don't do things for God by breaking the law. You don't do things for God by breaking God's Ten Commandments. And here Moses chose to do what was right to help his people, but in the wrong ways. He covered it with sand, walked away. And he thought he had it made. So then the next time he sees, probably he's out on his chariots, looking at all his people. He's thinking, I'm going to be your deliverer, guys. And then he sees two Hebrews arguing amongst themselves to the point where they're getting in a fight, and he hops out of his chariot. And again... In Acts chapter 7, Stephen says that Moses thought, I am the deliverer of his people. And he goes to separate these guys because he thinks, hey, I'm in charge. And he goes, hey, hey, what are you two fighting for? Stop it, stop it. And the guy goes, one of the Hebrews goes, pushes him back and says, hey, who made you our leader? Who put you in charge? What are you going to do? Kill me like you killed that Egyptian? (gasps) Oh, did he know that I don't know maybe when he buried there was a toe sticking up out of the sand and somebody tripped over it and was like whoa what is it or maybe somebody saw it or maybe they did you know CSI stuff on the knife and the blood and, you know and they worked out it was Moses I don't know but probably somebody saw him do it you know you try to cover your sin you try to hide it it is hard to hide sin you can't cover it it will come out The Bible says, surely your sin will find you out. And Moses' sin found him out. And he's like, what am I going to do? Oh, no, what am I going to do? They found out that I murdered this Egyptian. And it says the Pharaoh was not happy. And he's like, what am I going to do? And at that point, Moses could have. Remember, his mother is an Egyptian What? princess she's got power he could have gone to his mom and said hey could you say something to the pharaoh could you make this right because hey i want to stick with the egyptians but you know what it says again in hebrews chapter 11 he followed he suffered affliction with the people of christ he said you know what instead of staying here and trying to work it out he got out of there and he left in shame and he had to ride on his horse And he got out of there fast. And he went all the way to a land called Midian. Now, has any of you been to Utah? What's in Utah? Just rocks and sand. Any of you been to Nevada? What's in Nevada? Just desert and rocks and sand and Las Vegas, right? But they have to water it to get it going and, you know... There is nothing there. And here he is in Midian, and he goes all the way to this desert area, and there is nothing there because he has to get away. He was a prince, right? He was going to deliver his people, right? He had all this training, right? And now he's just in the desert, far away from his family. And how old is he at this point? 40 and he was going to do great things for god but now here he is and he finds a well and he sits down and i wonder what's going through his brain at this point you know what what was my plan what was i going to do and how i was going to do great things and he was just distraught he could have been killed it says the pharaoh went after him but moses got out of town and here he is by a well what is going to happen to Moses? And then it says these women come to feed their flock by this well, because back then they didn't have lots of water everywhere, and so they had these wells. But it said the shepherds, these mean shepherds, came and forced them away, and so these seven daughters of Ruel, R U E L, seven daughters of Ruel could not feed their flock. Moses, he's now in the land of what? Midian, he stands up and he stands up again for somebody that's oppressed and he goes, Hey, but this time he does it right. He doesn't murder. He says, Hey, you know, that's not fair, and he gets the daughters a chance to feed their flock and to water their flock and chases the shepherds away. And the daughters go home to their dad, Ruel. And Ruel's like, Hey, how come you're home so fast? You know, they usually takes you forever. Got to fight through the shepherds just to get to the water. And they said, well, an Egyptian. This Egyptian was there. He saved us, and he helped us get to the water. And Ruel's like, bring him to me. I want to meet this savior of my kids who protects my daughters. So they bring him. And Ruel goes, hey, I like this guy named Moses. And he says, I'm going to give you one of my daughters for your wife. Her name was Zipporah zipporah it's a cool name right zipporah you might want to name one of your daughters that one day zipporah he says i'm going to give you zipporah for your wife and moses is like great and he was a prince of egypt and now he is a shepherd taking care of his father-in-law's Ruel's sheep and goats he was in the palaces of Egypt, and now he's literally, the Bible says, on the backside of the desert, surrounded by heat and nothingness. And he's probably thinking, well, I'll just bide here a little while. God will bring me... Because I know God wants me to deliver His people. I just know it in 40, and then 41 comes, and I know this is what I'll do. It'll work out in 42 and 45 and 46. And he turns 50, and he has a son... He names him Gershom. You know what Gershom means? Banished. He named his son Banished. Would you like to be called Banished? Because that's probably how he felt. You know, I have been abandoned by God. He's 50, 55, 56, 57. He's playing with Gershom. He's like, hey, you know, when's God going to move? And he turns 60. Hey, I just want to encourage you, and especially some of you counselors, you may feel like you are on the backside of the desert. God has forgotten you. You had some great plans. Moses was going to be a great deliverer, right? He had some great plans to do things for God, but nothing. He doesn't hear from God. He was a prince, and now what is he? A what? And you ever taken care of sheep and goats? They don't listen to you. They don't obey you. They're cantankerous. They're smelly. Here he was, this awesome prince, and now he's stuck in the middle of Utah, Nevada, where it's hot and hot. Midian, it's hot and deserty. And he's like, what is happening? And he names his son Gershom, because he just feels abandoned. I want to encourage you, if you feel that way today... Take heart. God has not left you. He is there. Because later on, he has another son, and he names him Eliezer, which means God is my rescue. So he's got this twin feeling of being abandoned by God, but yet at the same time, he knows God is my rescue and God is my help. So he has a wife named Zipporah, two kids taking care of sheep, and finally, if you remember, he finally turns 80. That was 80 old. Forty years later, he finally turns 80. And I wonder at this point, you know, he's been humbled. He rose up to strike another person because he thought, God's going to use me, I'm going to do it in my own strength. But after 40 years in the desert, he's learned, you know what? I just have to wait. I have to wait upon the Lord. Isaiah says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. They that wait 40 years of waiting. Here he is 80. And as it began yesterday, imagine him sitting by this well. He's like, well, I'm going to try to feed him over there by this Mount Horeb. H-O-R-E-B. Later known as Mount Sinai. I'm going to send the sheep, because I've heard there's some great land over there. And as he starts to walk over there, he looks over. and He notices something. He's like, I've never seen that before. He felt God had abandoned him. God had just, you know, hadn't talked to him in over 40 years. And he looks over, and he sees this little burning bush. You probably seen lots of bushes catch on fire because it's hot there, but this was something different. What was that? Well, if you come back tomorrow, we'll find out a little bit more what was over there and what God's going to do with Moses. All right? Now, one thing I want to say... The story is in Exodus chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and if you want to read ahead and find more about the story of Moses, the Bible is an exciting place to look. And I just want to encourage you guys. You may think, hey, God's forgotten about me. Maybe you look at your family circumstance and you're like, God's forgotten about me. Maybe you're worried about a parent and you think, I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and God's forgotten about me. And maybe you think I'm worried about what's going to happen at school this coming year and I've been praying and maybe i have worried about this friend and I've been praying for them to get saved. I've been praying and praying and I feel like God's forgotten about me. Well, the story of Moses is if you're one of his children, God has not forgotten you. He is actively working on your behalf. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more of Baldhead Bible Podcasts, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.